0: Here's a life question for us to ponder this morning. Have you ever surprised yourself with a bad decision that you've made? Or perhaps I could ask it this way. Have you ever found yourself acting in a way that contradicts who you really are or who you want to be? This can be tough. (laughs) We never like when this happens or especially when someone may call us out on our behavior. Because we always tend to become defensive, and we'll justify our behaviors, and we'll make sense of our bad decisions, and we'll force it to make sense. We'll reconcile it with who we are, even when our decisions are in opposition to how we might normally operate. The danger here is that we run the risk of becoming someone who is very different than who we intend to be. See, without proper guardrails and value systems and accountability, we begin to become someone who we don't want to be. And this can happen quickly. However, most often, it's gradual and it's undetectable until we reach that moment of, whoa, where did that come from? Like, I don't behave like this. That's when we start to become defensive and we pass blame because something or someone else must have caused this in me because this isn't me. In organizations, this is known as mission drift. A company is started to serve a particular purpose. After a while, a company can unintentionally end up very different than what they intended to build and not even serving their intended purpose. This is a phenomenon that is not just contained to individuals and large corporations. This danger is just as real for the church, our church. We're not immune to the effects of mission drift. So, how can we prevent this? Here's today's big idea Living the map will help us be better together. What's the map? Well, the map is the vision frame of Valley Point. It asks and answers four organizational questions. What, why, how, and when? These four questions bring clarity to our mission as a church and then sets our mission into motion because without movement or activity, a mission is simply an inanimate statement. There's no life to it. There's no consciousness. There's no power in it. But when you can take a clear purpose or a mission and then set that mission into motion, and then you accompany that with the power of Christ, the the Bible says this is an unstoppable force. Guess what that unstoppable force is? The church. Christians. Christians those who have put their faith in Jesus alone to save them and commit to following him. So if that's you, you are an unstoppable force. And all of what we're going to describe today is based on what we see in Scripture and how we believe God wants us to live out the story of Jesus. Now, if you're newer with us, you've probably never heard this fully packaged Today will be a good day for you to get to know us and get a sense of who we are as a church, even in a pandemic, because some of our modes had to change over these past 10 months or so, but our vision map, our mission has not. And maybe you've been here for a while, and you have probably heard this at some point, and you may be tempted to give this less thought. I would caution against that. Here's why. The reality is for all of us that we can lose our way a little bit at times. We can drift from mission and what we know to be the right things to do. This can happen subtly without any realization of it occurring. This happens individually. For all of us at some point, it's happened to me. And it can happen organizationally. But don't just think of this as a church thing. Personalize it and ask yourself today, are you personally in mission drift right now? This is why we have this reminder annually. These questions also help us to stay true to the Lord. In Acts, in the book, in the Bible, we find the story of Jesus' death and resurrection is beginning to expand as people are believing and becoming disciples of the Lord, and the church is growing, and it's a great scene. It's a scene filled with goodness and people being better together. There's great unity, but then things take a rather shocking and devastating turn when Stephen, a man described in Scripture as being full of God's grace and power. He was arrested and stoned to death for preaching about Jesus's resurrection. To this point, this had never happened before. Stephen was the first recorded martyr. See, this event marked the beginning of the first era of Christian persecution. Naturally, it caused Christians to scatter. However, something beautiful developed out of this really horrible situation. Christians were scattered, but guess what else that meant? The church was scattered. See, this was an unintended side effect that they did not anticipate. What the persecutors intended to squash and scare and intimidate ended up backfiring, and it ended up spreading Beyond their reach, because apostles went out all around the Mediterranean region to start churches. And they were all based on the fundamental belief that Jesus was God, the Messiah. And salvation comes from belief in Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it's in trusting in him alone that brings salvation. Churches were being established all over the place. And Acts describes that after some time, some churches drifted from these foundational beliefs and they lost their way. They were all founded on the same beliefs and founded for the same purpose. However, some simply lost sight of their original purpose. However, some did not, and they thrived and they gained a great reputation. One of these churches is described in Acts chapter 11. It was a church founded in a city called Antioch of Syria. This church was was growing. Great things were happening. And here's what we read in Acts chapter 11, verse 22. It says, when the church of Jerusalem, now this church in Jerusalem, that's the mother church, the, the, the one big church that existed before the great scatter." So when the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So the church in Jerusalem heard about the church in Antioch and were like, Barnabas, go check this out. Go see what's going on and report back to us. How is all this success happening? What is the secret? So Barnabas was a trusted church leader and he makes the trip in verse 23. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, now the evidence was grace being extended, kindness being distributed. God's favor was all over this particular church. And Barnabas could see it, and it moved him. So when he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers, get this, to stay true to the Lord. Now I'll share those verses with you because I really believe that our vision map is a way for us together to stay true to the Lord and follow him and to have his favor on us as a faith community. And when that happens, it brings joy and encouragement to others. So, once a year, here's what we do. We come back to this talk to remind and encourage all of us to say, let's stay true to the Lord and not drift from our mission. And it's really easy for organizations, including churches, to drift from their mission. And we cannot let that happen. It's too important. There's too much at stake. So, all right, it's time for the Life Saving Station parable. We have prepared a fresh new portrayal of this story. Have you ever wondered what Pastor Eric might look like as a cartoon character? Well, you're about to find out. But let this story sink in, because this is a serious story. And think about how mission drift can affect even the best of intentions. Enjoy.
1: On a dangerous seacoast, where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea, and with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as sort of a club. Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions. So they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick and some spoke a strange language and the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all the various kinds of people who were being shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. And they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old, They evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit the seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. Only now, most of the people drown.
0: So the point, I think you gathered it. Let's not get too comfortable or complacent or too spiritually elite to serve others and to meet people where they are. Let's keep pushing ourselves to go back out and rescue and love and care for people. So let's walk through our vision map. So this is our map for Valley Point Church. Here we go. The first question remember those four questions we talked about earlier? The first question is this, what? This is our mission. It's pointing people to real relationships and real significance. We want everyone walking in the doors of this place to know that you can have a real and personal relationship with God, and you can have a real relationship with others. We also want people to be given the chance because we only have one life to live. That's all any of us get. So why would we not use it in significant ways to impact the lives of others? You could think of our mission as the heart, a valley point. So Christ is the soul. He's the meaning of, of everything we are and what we do. But the mission is the response of our heart because of who Christ is. However, a mission statement, it's just that. It's a statement. Without action. It becomes just a phrase that we frame and put on the wall, and it looks nice. So we must answer a few more questions. The next is this why? Why do we point people to real relationships and real significance? It's because we value four primary things. We also call these our faith catalysts or our values. So we value, first of all, truth. We're passionate about following Jesus. We value people because everyone matters to God. We value generosity. We intentionally use our time and our resources to meet needs. And we value our location. We love our neighbors. We seek to be a joyous presence where we live, where we work, and where we play. That's why we are passionately seeking to point people to real relationships and real significance. We're starting to now see a little bit of flesh to all of this. But the next question is needed. A third question begins to initiate the movement or the activity of our faith community. Our mission map, our vision map, it's not just a philosophical viewpoint. We need to get practical. So we answer this question. How? How do we accomplish our mission? One, well, in three primary ways, and we pour all of our time and creativity into these three areas. Firstly, we worship. This is where I grow my personal relationship with God. We prioritize corporate time together. We encourage going to church because it's beneficial for our relationship with God. We find renewal, restoration, rejuvenation, and as we see others, we're encouraged by them we're challenged to take next steps in our faith journey and we learn about the Bible. We learn how to study the Bible and about who God is and what his character is like. This is all really important stuff for us. And this season has proven just how important this corporate worship is for us. Worship, it's not just going to church because we can worship anywhere and we should reading scripture, prayer time, and many other things are acts of worship. And we'll talk more about that when we get to our action steps in just a little bit. So we worship and we connect. This is where I grow my relationship with others because we need each other. We were not designed to be alone. Connection with others is imperative to our spiritual formation. Connection groups are a great on-ramp for this. We have a new round of groups beginning this February. You can register for those groups online at valleypointchurch.com. We have other groups for men. We have groups for women. We have groups for students, and our kids meet in small groups as part of their Sunday morning experience. Connection with others matter, and it's a priority for us. So we worship, we connect, and we go. This is where I do significant things in service to others. Because at Valley Point, we serve others. We volunteer on Sundays to support our weekend efforts. We serve our communities. We serve other countries with our compassion trips. And when we cannot go ourselves, we generously give so that others may go. We make meals for people who need them. We Do for others without expecting anything in return. That's how. We worship, we connect, and we go. And all of this now brings us to the final question of when. So when do we know we're winning, accomplishing our mission? How do we know when we are staying true to the Lord? Well, the first way is this. When worship is a lifestyle, Which means that it's something that I do more than just for a few minutes on Sunday. I'm winning when I'm responding to the greatness of God. Worship is life. It's who I am. It's what I do. It's a lifestyle. So here's the action step that lives this. I will spend at least one period of the week listening to God through his word and one period learning about his son Jesus in community with others. So this builds my relationship with God and my relationship with others. God wants more for us than just to worship him here on Sundays. He wants us doing that all week long and making it a lifestyle. The second way is that connect becomes a priority. So here's the action step. I will choose to regularly engage, that could be hospitality, in a meal, in conversation, in prayer with people inside the church and outside of the church in order to grow my relationship with others. And this has really been tested for us as we've walked through this pandemic. But make it a priority. Even if you can't meet the way you want to meet, even if it's inconvenient connect with others. And lastly, how can we know that we're winning? It's when go is a passion. So here's the action step that lives this. I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live the gospel and surprise and delight others through a passionate, outward-focused faith community. This is the win of Valley Point. That's our vision frame, which helps us to stay true to the Lord and to avoid drift. The what, the why, the how, the when. The vision frame is being supported and upheld throughout 2021 with our one-year goal of better together. So let's live it. Together, we desire to put Jesus at the center of our lives and work outward from there, while pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Think about this. We're better when worshiping together. We're better when connecting together, and we're better when going together. Better together, which is beautifully captured in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, which is, by the way, our church-wide life verse for 2021. It reads, May God help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, do you want to know the formula that was laid out in Scripture and what Barnabas pointed out as the reason why the church in Antioch was so successful? This is awesome. I love it. Here it is. This is Barnabas's entire recorded report. He said, the church told others the good news about Jesus, and that's it. <laughs> that was their fundamental purpose. That was the secret to their success. And because they did this, it says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. No mission drift here. Do you want to be a part of something that will outlive you? Do you want to use the one life that you have for something significant? Be the church. You will have eternal impact. Here's three quick takeaways for us to consider today. Takeaway number one. Let's be better together by living the map. Because these items are intended to help us create the guardrails the values, and the accountability needed to avoid personal mission drift. Live it out and be the person you want to be. Number two, return next week for the launch of Better Together. This will be an eight-week series focusing on how we'll be better by worshiping, connecting, and going together. We'll be returning in person and we'll take communion In honor of the Lord and out of our gratitude for sustaining us through this season. Our connection groups will follow our Sunday content, which leads me to the next takeaway. Number three, consider a group. You can find this registration on our website. Jump in, engage, and live the map. And I have a bonus takeaway for you today. Come and commit your life verse this afternoon from 12 to 1 p.m., we'll have a Life Verse signing event. You'll have the opportunity to write your name, your verse, your reference, whatever you would like on our Better Together display. This display will be used throughout the year as a reminder of both our Life Verses and our theme of Better Together. We're watching the weather, so check our website for updates on this event. You'll also be able to sign your life verses throughout the year as you feel comfortable returning, so don't feel like you're missing your only opportunity here. Let's do this. Let's refocus our hearts to worshiping in song. And in this next song, Donovan will lead us in a song and, and some of the words of this. It says, "O hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. So come on, let's sing it.